Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Would you take your Bibles, please, and open them to Revelation chapter 12. Father, as we turn our pages, we want to again turn our hearts toward you because we want to hear what the Spirit says. We want you to speak to us this morning. And we want the Word of God to dwell within us richly. We want the Word to change us, Lord, as it does. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And how we need the Word. Everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness is found in the pages of Scripture. And we thank you for that. And this morning, Lord, we just invite you to change us and speak to us. And we worship you now, God, as we just give our attention, give our ear, give our minds, give our intellect, give our thoughts to you, to hear what the Spirit says. Touch hearts this morning. Those that are cast down, touch them. Those that are not saved, Father, touch them. May the Spirit of God draw men to salvation this morning. The time is short. Jesus is coming soon. In Jesus' name, we ask. We all agree and said, Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 12 is a great chapter. As a matter of fact, the book of Revelation is a great book. And it's a book that is greatly misunderstood. Now, if you don't already have it outlined, highlight it in your Bible, circled, noted. Oh, y'all know where I'm going, don't you? Now, if you want to preach a sermon, come on up here. Other than that. (laughs) But you're right. It's Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, a book that is so... Greatly misunderstood. So many people believe that this book is difficult to understand, and it really isn't. It's the only book in the Bible that gives to us its own outline, a divine outline, a heavenly outline. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Would you read it with me? John is told to write the things which you have seen. Let me hear you. And the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. This is the outline of the entire book. And so it's a three-section outline. First of all, John is told to write the things which he has seen. That's the first section. What did John see? In chapter 1, John saw the resurrected, glorified Jesus. And then the second section, write the things which are. That would be the church, the church age, church history. Seven messages to seven churches 
given to us in chronological order from Ephesus to Laodicea. The church, right? The things which are, chapters 2 and 3. And then the third and final section, write the things which will take place, metatauta, after this. After what? Well, you know. John is in heaven in chapter 4. Chapter 5, Jesus stands and takes the title deed to the planet Earth from the Father. And then in chapter 6, John is in heaven, the church is in heaven. We have been raptured. Chapter 6, meanwhile, back on the ranch... The great tribulation has begun. It is a time that the world has never seen nor shall ever see again, Jesus said. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's an awful time. Cataclysmic events are happening on the earth. It is terrible. Beginning in chapter 6 through chapter 19, John is told to write the things which will take place after this. Metatauta is the Greek word. So the book is really, really easy to understand. It is greatly misunderstood. It is a great book. It's a great chapter we find here. Because in verse 1, we see a great wonder. And then in verse 3, we have a great dragon. And then in verse 12, we have great wrath. And then in verse 14, there is a great eagle. And this morning, we're going to gain... Some great insight into our enemy, the devil, the adversary, that old serpent. We're going to gain some insight, some great insight, I like to call it, in the source of our victory as Christians. What makes you victorious? I'll tell you now, give it to you early, the blood of Jesus Christ. We're victorious because of him. And then we'll gain some great insight about the bigotry that is directed toward the Jewish people. Anti-Semitism. Is an amazing hatred toward the Jew in the world. Why? 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 We'll talk about that in just a little bit. So, and hopefully all of this this morning will be a great help to you as it is to me. So it's a great chapter. Now here's a simple outline. If you're an outliner, I sure am. Keeps things simple. We're going to look at this this morning. This is what we're going to focus in on. The woman. We'll find her in verses 1 through 6. And then the war in heaven, verse 7 through 12. And then we will find and see the war on earth in verses 13 through 17 of chapter 12. So we have the woman, the war in heaven, and the war on earth. We're going to zero in, zoom in this morning on those three major points. So Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. If you are there, would you say a hearty amen? Now a great sign appeared in heaven. Now note this. A great sign appeared where? In heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared where? In heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems, crowns on his heads. His tail, in verse 4, drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. 
And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. So she bore a male child in verse 5 who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. That speaks of justice and authority. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Notice that. Now, this woman, this woman who is a great wonder. Notice she's clothed with the sun and the moon and the moon is under her feet. The sun's under her feet. The moon's under her feet. And on her head is a crown with stars, and she is travailing in labor. And she is bringing forth a male child. Now, this is not an ordinary male child, because this male child, this boy, is going to rule all people with the rod of iron. And then he will be caught up to heaven, and he will sit on the throne. Now, Chapters, chapter 12, particularly chapters 1 through 6, particularly this woman is very controversial. It's very, very controversial. Many different opinions as to who is the woman. Who is this woman? Now, there's a large group of people, Catholics, Catholicism, who believe that this woman is the queen of heaven, Mother Mary, the Virgin Mary. Many Catholics do. I went to Catholic school for grades 1 through 10, and I was kicked out. (laughs) I won't tell you why but they hurt my psyche. And uh, I've been messed up ever since, y'all. Just, just, just jacked up. <laughs> but I went to Catholic school, and I can clearly remember, I can clearly remember, and maybe some of you can remember paintings of old that you would see this scene of a woman with 12 stars around her head and the sun and the moon were under her feet. And so some believe that this woman is the Virgin Mother Mary, the Queen of Heaven. Now, I have a problem with that particular position because I want you to notice something. Notice the woman is in pain and travailing. Notice a great sign appeared in heaven. It's, the scene is in heaven. And this woman who is in the heavenly scene is in great pain And she is travailing. Therefore, that would mean, according to Catholic theology, that Mary was giving birth to Jesus in heaven. Now, we know that in heaven, listen, there is no pain in heaven. There is no sorrow. There is no sadness. There is no sickness in heaven. 
So I have a problem with that position because this woman who is in pain giving birth to a male child in heaven. That doesn't line up with scripture. Also, bring your attention to verse 6. Notice the woman, Mary, fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she would have been taken care of for 1,260 days. Well, that never happened. There is no historical account ever written that Mary fled to the wilderness and was taken care of for three and a half years. So, I can't buy that position. Then there are those who do not believe that this was Mary, the mother of Jesus. They believe it was another Mary, Mary Baker Eddy. There are some, I'm just telling y'all what I've found out, all right? Don't shoot the messenger, all right? I'm just telling you. There are seriously people who believe that this is Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of the Christian science cult. And the child is Christian science. And the woman, of course, is Mary Baker Eddy. And the dragon who comes against the male child are all negative thinking people who don't have a deeper understanding of the reality of Christian science. Now, Next point. We don't even have to go there now, do we? No, that's ridiculous. And then there are those who say the woman, listen, is the church. The woman is the church, they say, the bride of Christ. Well, I can't buy that position either because that would mean that the church is giving birth to Jesus. Now, we know Christianity 101 here. Jesus gives birth to the church. So this can't be the church. Well, not only that, but then 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you're taking notes, Paul talks about presenting the church as a chaste virgin bride of Christ. Now, if this is the church, then the virgin bride is pregnant. And we got a little problem. Hmm, no problem. Now, what is it, Rodney? I believe it's clear. I believe it's clear. I believe it is obvious. The woman is the wife of Jehovah, and that is why she is pregnant. In the New Testament, we are told the church is the wife of Christ. We, the church, are the bride of Christ. In the Old Testament, we are told by Isaiah and Hosea and others that Israel is the wife of Jehovah. Israel is the wife of Jehovah. As a matter of fact, Israel is called the adulterous wife of Jehovah. Oh, we know that because of the book of Hosea. Hosea is a graphic picture of this. And Hosea was told to marry a prostitute named Gomer. You remember that story. And Gomer, she kept a running after idolatry and whoring after false gods. And God told Hosea, marry her. 
and take her back. The story there, Jehovah with his wife Israel, who just kept going after false gods and other gods. I think it is clear there. Now, stay with me here. I most certainly am not trying to bore you, nor am I trying to impress you, but you need to understand something here. There is in Bible study, in Bible study, we have known, here's a word for today, we have a word known as hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. And hermeneutics is the study, or there, within hermeneutics, there are laws of scripture interpretation. There's laws. So there's several laws in the study of hermeneutics that help us to interpret the scripture. One such law is the law of first mention. Write that down. Very important. The law of first mention. In other words, the way something is used the first time in the Bible sets the tone for interpreting that subject throughout the whole Bible. It's called the law of first mention. The first time you see it in the Bible sets the pace or the pattern for how you might interpret other verses as you move through the Bible. Now, with the law of first mention in mind, Genesis chapter 37, we have the story of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, governed by God. And Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. Now there in Genesis 37 verses 9 through 11 is the first place we see a woman, stars, and moon. One of the sons of Jacob, you know, his name was Jacob. And Jacob had two dreams. The first dream, he dreamt he and his brothers were binding their sheaves and his brother's sheaves bowed down to his. And so he went and told his brothers, mistake. And they were like, oh, yeah, right. Because see, Jacob, his older brother, you know, he was like the annoying younger brother. And the favorite in the family. I'm sure he had fat little cheeks and just a cute little something. Mommy's baby. And the brothers were jealous of him. So Jacob went and told the brothers, hey, you guys, I just had a dream. Really? What? You guys are bowing down to me. What? Well, then he had another dream. And in the second dream, he told his brothers again, he said, I saw the sun and the moon and 11 stars and they were bowing down to me. He even went and told his father, Jacob. And Jacob was infuriated. You mean to tell me your mom and me are going to bow down to you? Boy, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. You know how your parents are. No, you know, how, you know how you are. He was infuriated. And then he told his brothers and his brothers thought we're going to get him. And so they hated Joseph and they put him in a pit. You know the story. He found himself in Egypt. And we know as you fast forward the story years later, Joseph was the prime minister of the land and true enough, his brothers and his family had to bow down before him for food. So Genesis chapter 37, we have the same picture of the stars, the sun and the moon. And in this picture, we see the nation of Israel. So if we're going to be theologically consistent, this woman is Israel. And Israel brings forth Jesus who comes from the lion. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. And it is Jesus who will rule with the rod of iron or strict justice. He will rule. Psalm 2, verse 7 through 9. Speaking of Jesus, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. 
Ask of me and I will give to you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them, note this, with a rod of iron and you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Jesus, the woman is Israel. Jesus is the male child. And notice this woman was about to deliver this child and the plot thickens because a great hideous fiery red dragon appears. Now, there's no confusion. Who's the dragon? Satan. We don't have to discuss that. The devil, Satan, appears. And notice he's fiery red because that speaks of his murderous motivations. He's full of evil. John 10, if you're taking notes, the thief comes to kill, to rob and destroy. John 8, 44, Jesus calls Satan a murderer from the beginning. And notice this dragon has 10 horns. 10 horns correspond with, or these 10 horns actually correspond with the 10 toes of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2. That's your homework. Go look it up and read it. Daniel chapter 2. The 10 horns speak of his kingdom, a 10-nation confederacy. We'll talk about that in chapter 13 next week. We'll talk more about that. The seven heads. Notice that refers to the empire or the city or the location of the Antichrist, his base of power. And then the seven crowns or diadems on his head, which speak of his presumptive, the operative word, his presumptive claims of royalty and authority. Presumptive claims of royalty and authority. So the dragon appears with ten horns, seven heads, crowns on his heads, and he is angry. And he drew with his tail a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to the earth. Now, when you read the word stars, don't think of the cosmos like the stars you, you see. Think of angels. These are fallen angels. And he stood before the woman who was ready to be delivered and sought to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, write these two verses down. Look them up in your own time. I don't have time this morning. Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 28 tells us that Satan was the worship leader in heaven. Satan was the music guy. He was a worship leader in heaven. And one day Satan got tired of leading worship and he wanted to be the worship, be worshiped. And so he was filled with pride. Isaiah 14 tells us the five I wills of Satan. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the most high God. And it was when Satan got tired of doing the ministry that God gave him. He lifted himself up in pride that God cast him out of heaven. And it's at that time, verse 4 actually gives us the details of that event from a historical standpoint. He took a third of the angels with him, with his tail, and he came down to the earth. And then we see him again in the garden. He took a third of the angels with him, came down to the earth. The next time we see him in Genesis, he is there with Adam and Eve, tempting them. And at that point, when Adam and Eve ate, it brought death into the world. The rule of the world was forfeited into the hands of Satan. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is a death blow to the devil. 
as God pronounced judgment on Satan from the seed of the woman, you, Satan, shall bruise his heel, but he, Jesus, will crush your head. And from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, until this present moment, Satan has sought to destroy the purpose and the plan of God for the nation of Israel and the purpose and the plan of God for you and for me. And that is why you see in this amazing intensity of anti-Semitism, because Satan is seeking to thwart the plan of God in Israel. And you can look at history from a biblical account and from a secular place of history. You can see that Satan has targeted Israel to be slaughtered. I mean, there's an amazing hatred of the Jew in the world today. Have you noticed? I mean, even from the days of the Bible, the book of Exodus tells us that Pharaoh becomes a type of the Antichrist. And Pharaoh tried to kill every male child in Egypt. In the book of Esther, Haman sought to wipe out the Jew. But God raised up Esther to deliver his people. And then you fast forward to the New Testament. In the New Testament, Satan attempted to destroy the baby Jesus through Herod. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.